Let me do it again. If you want, yeah. <laughs> and I'm Jojo B, aka Jojo jo- Jojo. <laughs> Jojo underscore B. <laughs> 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 you use it to the outtakes. Salutations and welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast Season 2, baby! I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello! So, this, we're recording this really late. Yes, we are, and I'm really tired. Yeah, uh, we tried to get this show recorded earlier. Would have liked to get the show recorded earlier. But uh, extenuating circumstances of parenting means this is very, very late on in the day. Bubs has had a hard day. Yeah, he's had a tough, tough time sleeping, eating and us cleaning up his shit. What a hard life. No, he's been all upset today. He's been a bit grumpy. He's been grumpy and I've had to deal with it. Yeah, but we normally record the show when we let uh, our my parents look after him. We just went to Sarawan above and instead. <laughs> yeah, had some masala dosas instead. <laughs> I was kind of half expecting my mum to call. You know, because my mum, like, she's always like, if we're okay, don't worry, you guys go enjoy yourselves. We'll be fine. We'll be absolutely no problem at all. And then you're, I'm just half expecting, like, you know, the phone to ring. Well, she has raised through. three babies herself. Yeah. They like, might be big babies still. What? But, you know, she, she did it. But I can I can just see her like hey hey better uh, just let you know everything's fine. It's just that he might have a mild case of stigmata. But if you can, uh, if <laughs> mild you can, case of stigmata. Yeah, if you can, uh, I, I it's nothing to worry things. about. It's nothing to worry about. But uh, just to let you know. Um, enjoy your meal. Okay. Don't say that. Yeah. Well, um, it's not come from my side of the family. I'll tell you that now. Well, the stigmata has not come from my side either. <laughs> but anyway. Let's crack on with the show because uh, we're going to try to pack in as much as we possibly can with as little attention as possible because we're on the brink of sleep. I want to watch Bake Off Professionals afterwards. I've got it on record. <laughs> like not content with normal Bake Off. Now, is it how many spin-offs of this show is there? There's, there's there's professionals. There's the normal, right? And there's celebrity like sport relief or whatever. It is, see, comic relief. Was where's the joy in seeing really good chefs make just make just really good bakes? It's great when they fail. This is the thing. So you have people from the top, like restaurants and patisseries and stuff from around the country. They like the top of the top, and then they still fuck up. Bam. And their big sugar structures collapse, and the chocolate melts, and it's amazing. But doesn't that completely kill their reputation and everything that they've everything they've worked so hard for over a number of years and established their own places, and then all of a sudden they have one little fuck up on these kind of shows, and then it's like their business just goes down the drain. I mean, well, this is the risk they take, isn't it? <laughs> it's their own fault for actually deciding to be on the show. Yeah. But for me. It's entertainment. Yes, yes. Well, what's also been entertaining this week has been the European elections. Oh, yes. So in the last couple of weeks, yours truly 
has got like a couple of uh, campaign letters come through the post. <laughs> Not you, but me. So the first one that came in about two and a bit weeks ago was from UKIP, addressed to me. I was like, why the fuck am I getting UKIP letters come through? Not you. And I thought usually it might be for everyone in the household. No, no just me. Just you. It had your name on it. Specifically yeah, specifically you. my name. You know, and I think even it had like, hi, Himesh, and all this kind of shit as yeah. part of the campaign letter. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I honestly don't know where they would have got that thought process from that I would be remotely interested in their and who else policies. <laughs> and the week after, <laughs> I got one from the fucking Brexit party. <laughs> Again, the same thing, just addressed to me. You know why? Why? Because you're a man of a certain age now, that's why. Yeah. You're a middle-aged man. And, you know, they want angry, miserable, middle-aged men. I love it. Um, so I, I guess targeting people to get their prostate checked once a year in that age group together with the Brexit party kind of goes in hand in hand, doesn't it? Yes. Because they're both a pain in the ass. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the European elections happened uh, and we actually purposely recorded the show after just to see, let's just see how this turns out, knowing full well exactly how it was going to turn out from all the forecasts on every show for the past couple of weeks. Did you really think it would, though? Well, they they had it, like, figured out a, a long time, well, for, for the last couple of weeks, that this was likely to happen. Do you think people just voted Brexit party just because it's got Brexit in the name? I personally believe that to be the case. I mean, they only got formed, what, six weeks ago? Yeah, something ridiculous like They just that. banded together a bunch of cronies. It was a bit like the Dirty Dozen. You know, you just like, just throw a bunch of guys together with the same mindset as me, the same thought process as me. Yeah, how, how come we've got so... They had so many different candidates in each region. I was like, how they have they got so many? They took six weeks to do that. It's crazy. Six weeks, mate. They need, they, I wish they'd organised our wedding. They could, like, the amount of time, length of time. With that Russian money, yeah, I wish, I wish they had as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, that also. Um, but, yeah, the, the Brexit party did indeed uh, storm, pretty much storm the European elections. They won 29 seats. Uh, the Lib Dems got 16, Labour got 10, the Greens got 7, Tories got 4, uh, SNP got 3. What are your thoughts, Jojo V? Well, personally, yes, the, the Brexit party did get a large number of seats. I'm not really sure why, because they can't really do anything about Brexit in the European Parliament itself. How so it's gonna... a slightly pointless vote, but people are, you know, making their point. Fine, whatever. They're trying to let, you know, the government know that they don't believe in them anymore to, to deliver Brexit. But also, if you add up the Remain parties, they actually add up to more seats. Yes, they're from different parties. Yep. If only we had proportional representation, mm. but they're from different parties. But if those parties banded together and actually worked like the Conservative and Unionist Party, as it's known now, yeah. then actually there could probably be quite a good Remain movement yeah, in this country. But anti- it's quite fragmented, whereas Brexit is very much now, anyway, the Brexit party and you know who you need to vote for. Yeah. <laughs> whereas if you're a Remainer... Who the fuck do you vote for? Well, yeah, anti-Brexit parties are basically those in favour of another referendum. They collectively took about 40% of the vote compared to 35% for the Brexit party and UKIP, who are both obviously in favour of leaving the EU without a deal. Yeah. You know, my issue is, why would you vote a party that wants nothing to do with Europe to represent you 
in Europe, which is everything to do with Europe. Because people don't know what they're voting for. They don't know what the purpose of this vote was. They don't mm. know what this election was about and what these people are actually meant to be doing within the European Everyday Parliament. Everyday Joe blogs, definitely. Yeah. So if you're going to have a, a, a party that has no interest in Europe and representing Britain's best interests whilst we're still in Europe, yeah. if you're going to vote them in, we're going to be screwed. Mm. If you have a bunch of people who actually can care about what's going on in Britain in Europe, yeah. then actually they all kind of make sure that we're, you know, in good standing yeah. with the rest of Europe, I feel. Yeah. Whereas Brexit, just, the Brexit party just like, fuck you all, basically, <laughs> to, mm. to the rest of Europe. You know, two fingers up to the rest of Europe. you got to give them credit. There was a lot of aggressive, in that six-week span from when they formed, there's a lot of aggressive campaigning, a lot of aggressive advertising. Yeah. Something we saw pretty much none of from the the big major parties. The only leaflet that we got through in our area that, that I know of was from the Lib Dems. Mm, yeah, exactly. Who also made massive gains. Yeah. Actually, of... maybe the Greens as well. But that's it. I didn't see anything from Labour. Because yeah. Labour don't know where the hell they stand, I don't think. It's still very, very unclear as to where they stand with it all. Yeah. Um, And nothing from the Conservatives, which is really really interesting as well we didn't get anything from them i suppose because there's too much turmoil to figure out how to send out leaflets yeah we've got too much inner turmoil going on in the party but um yeah i i i just think that it was just a massive farce and actually farage has taken total advantage of that yeah it's capitalizing on immense turmoil in the two main parties people are disillusioned from labor because it's in a way, it's it's left, but it's still wanting to leave Europe. Well, what they're saying is that they want to promise that they'll, you know... Deliver, deliver on, on what the, the people have yeah, re requested. Exactly. Whereas Lib Dem very, very, very staunchly said, we are Remain, and this, if you're a Remainer, you should vote for us. Brexit party are like, we're Brexit, and if you vote for us, then we'll deliver Brexit. Mm. Um, I mean, th basically, it's what... They were, this is their general election campaigning. Yeah, This exactly. is like a warm up for that. So it didn't really matter that this is for MEPs and that they're going to be pointless, mm. you know, in the European Parliament. It's actually what people are actually setting their stores out for now for the general, for the general election, election, which Absolutely. is going to happen. Yeah, of course. And you know, Nigel Farage has already said that uh, after this victory, that's, that's all their next focus and planning is going to be towards. But then you think, well... Oh God, can you imagine him as Prime Minister? Fuck me. What do you think? Please, if you, no. If you, well, let's let's look at it this way. Theresa May is standing down on the 7th of June. She's confirmed this. So we could potentially get Boris. So it, if it's not Theresa May, it could be Boris and it could potentially be Farage. It's like asking yourself which gun you want to shoot yourself with. Yes. So if we like, so we'll get potentially Bojo as like I, we don't even have a choice. He's going to be the next prime minister because he's um, like a caretaker manager. Yeah, basically. And then we have a general election, and then potentially we could just have Farage. I mean, like what the fuck? You know, I was watching a place in the sun today, and this really cheap to live in some certain parts of Italy. Like, let's just move, mate. I'm I'm telling you, it's not even it's not even a bad suggestion. Or maybe Germany, because the Greens did really well in Germany. Yeah, but also there was a bit of a rise of the far right parties across Not most so of Europe. Yes, apart from the Netherlands. Yeah, big up the Netherlands. Maybe Amsterdam's the place. Mate. Honestly, window shopping all day, every day, fam. Right. Um, 
aside of the crazy European elections, which obviously do wonders for our communities here in the UK. And plus, okay, if you're if you're an Asian, you voted for the Brexit party, shame on you. You're a dickhead. Yeah, we saw people uh, in amongst the candidates, some Asians amongst the Brexit party candidates. What they don't realise is, is that they'll get the Europeans out and then they want us out next. Yeah. Do you realise this? It's we- only a matter of time. Right, so it's been two weeks since we put out our last show. What else has been happening, Jojo B? Um, so on the 15th of May, it was High Premises Awareness Day. Mm-hmm. If you listened to our last season, you would have heard that I suffered from high premises during my pregnancy. Yes. Which is an extreme form of pregnancy sickness. Uh, it's very unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And the 15th of May actually marks the exact one year anniversary of me getting my diagnosis. I got diagnosed with hyperemesis last year on hyperemesis awareness day. It's a celebration, bitches. <laughs> um that was my first stay in hospital. Mm. And it was fucking awful. Yep. Because I had no idea what was happening to me. I didn't understand it and I felt rough. Yeah. So uh yes. And now they're trying to kind of raise awareness and really let the world know that this is a thing that this isn't just morning sickness it's a completely different thing to morning sickness Mm. it's awful it's terrible and there are amazing things happening now in terms of research king's college are doing a massive research campaign now for four years looking at um women who have high premises during pregnancy yeah they're going to be doing genetic testing on them to find out the causes of it because no one knows why some women get it and some don't 2% 2% of women, I think there's more than that, but on yeah, average, see, 2% I, of women get I don't get, get this it. whole 2% thing because I've, I've been speaking or hearing about more and more people yeah. that have this condition, amongst yes. our, specifically even amongst our communities, which is still, you know, yeah. a, a, a minority population in the UK. We know a number of people who've had it, a number of women who've had it. So and that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it makes sense because a, a number of my close friends have had it and it's yeah. really strange that we've all had it. But there's now this big research project going on for the next four years. So hopefully at the end of it, they'll have some idea of how to prevent it. Mm-hmm. If a woman starts showing the signs, they'll know how to treat it effectively rather than crazy combinations of pills and trying to figure out what works best. And yeah. it's trial and error and it's horrible while you're trying to get to that point where you get the right combination for you as a woman, because not the same thing works for everybody. Yeah, uh, It was really hard for me trying to get that. So ginger didn't work then? Fuck the ginger. <laughs> Fuck the ginger, fuck the dry, the dry crackers and all the other bastard suggestions that seem to work for for morning sickness, but not for like High this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, I didn't do any real social media posts around the awareness day because I wanted to just do something more practical. And I found out about a research project that Durham University Psychology Department are doing. Okay, awesome. They are looking at mums who've had high premises in their pregnancy and they're doing a project around... I think the main crux of it, although it hasn't been 100% explained to me, I guess because they don't want me to be influenced by anything. Mm. But I think the main crux of it is to see how well you bond with your baby afterwards. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, when I uh, go up to Newcastle very soon, somebody from Durham University will be coming along to my mummy and daddy's house to just see how I interact with bubs. Mm. It'd be interesting. It would be really interesting. Um, And also, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know how many different women they would have spoken to or how many people would have got back in touch with them. They're still trying to get lots of volunteers to be t- to take part. So if you're interested in it and you live in the Northeast, then do get in touch with 
with them. Yeah, absolutely. But it'd be great to see more women from, say, our communities. I get more and more of them involved. Yeah. Because, like they said, this condition, I'd never come across it. You'd never come across it. Yeah. Um, but since since speaking about it on our podcast uh, and also relaying this to people that we know and on on social media, we've seen more and more people and more and more women from our communities that have had this condition. Yeah. And it's been uh, from mild cases to some really extreme cases of it there's been um there's a film coming out soon called the sick film yes 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 indeed and i've seen a trailer for it and i've seen lots of kind of instagram posts about around it as well and some of the stories are horrific Mm. i got out of it lucky yeah is how i feel some women have ng tubes which is a nasal gastro tube which so they feed you through your, a tube that goes through your nose straight down into your gut because they can't they bypass your stomach altogether yeah because it, whatever goes into your stomach comes straight back up again there are women who've had to have abortions there are women who are just you know stuck in hospital for the whole pregnancy yeah it's horrible mm. it's horrible and the spectrum of things that can happen is so massive that you don't know from woman to woman how will it affect how it will affect you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. it can it can take its toll on partners and families as well. Hundred percent. Um, you know, having to see you know their wife or their daughter having to go through this. You know, I was recently speaking to Shay Grewal uh, from Sunny and Shay, who yeah. also had the same condition. Yes, she did. And um, she was speaking to me in some detail about her traumatic experience through it. And yeah, really, really hard time, really, really hard time for her. It was a really, really hard time for you. And I guess more and more women out there could have similar, similar experiences and not actually pinpoint the specific problem uh, of hyperemesis. And we don't necessarily speak about these things a lot within our, within our communities. And things like HD Awareness Day does open it up to a lot more people outside of our community but we need to do what we can within hours to you know to help highlight the issue highlight the problem absolutely and i think there is more awareness happening uh, there's a lot of problems within uh, gps and um gps not really responding to it the way that they should or not knowing yeah. how to respond because in the 60s there was the problem of thalidomide which mm. was a whole um issue around this particular drug causing birth defects right and there's a hangover of that for for gps now because they still feel very wary of prescribing drugs to a pregnant woman that could potentially affect the fetus yeah and that's that's preventing some gps from giving the right kind of care so some women are just suffering so much unnecessarily i was very lucky that my gp gave me some drugs and when i got to the the hospital they gave me more drugs. Basically, yeah, I was course. on, I remember how many drugs I used to take. I used to take about 12, 15 different pills a day, like 12, 15 pills a day. Mm, because I was through, on yeah. such a combination of like, I think it's like at 1.5 different uh, tablets to try mm. and control my sickness. Yeah, absolutely. The GP again at, some, at one point said to me, well, you shouldn't be on these drugs. They're too expensive. Yeah, I remember, I yeah like, those exact I words. Like, I don't give a fuck. We pay for this shit. Yeah, the NHS, Our taxes the obstetrician, has, who is the expert, has given me these drugs. I'm going to take them. Thanks yeah, very much. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, hopefully the results from this King's College study uh, give us a better understanding of hyperemesis and the reasoning why some women get it and why some women don't. Because uh, it's not even necessarily a, uh, something that's passed down hereditary, is it? No, because my mum didn't have it. Hmm. I don't know if anybody else in my family has had it in India or something. No one's ever really spoken about it, but... 
most obvious person to look to would be your mum. Yeah. And my mum didn't have it. She didn't have any sickness when she was pregnant. So it's just you and that. Yeah. You're just cursed. Yes. I think that genuinely felt like I was cursed. See, if I was if I was a typical Indian from back in the day, I would have made sure I'd done my research before and find out whether you had this or not. And then I would have. I don't think my horoscope would have told you that much. Does, isn't that in your kundalis now? No. Damn it. <laughs> Um, right. <laughs> Lastly, I want to rant a little bit more about something that I ranted on quite uh, heavily last season. <laughs> the Cricket World Cup. Uh, can you hear my eye roll? Yeah. The, <laughs> that Well, I my eyes must have rolled continuously through my head over the course of trying to... <laughs> can you imagine that as an image? <laughs> go round and round and round. People will like think I'm a rakshas and extract the juju out of me. Uh, if that was the case um, but I was incredibly pissed off uh, because ICC have sent out emails saying that an additional 40,000 tickets were going to be available for World Cup games including lots of India matches uh-huh. so I was there nice and early getting on there in the queue got to the page and there was nothing at all again every now and then they will say oh it's available now you put try to put it in your basket nothing happens so once again, India fans miss out on tickets. I don't know anyone amongst my circle who actually actually got tickets for India matches. Do you think they're like discriminate against it, discriminating against Indians? Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is with, with Indians, are we pretty much, when it comes to the games and getting tickets for games, we monopolize that. So a lot of the matches which India involved, there's predominantly going to be an 80 to 85% Indian contingent in the stands yeah and um, it's something that happened in the previous Champions Trophy uh, which was held here in England uh, and the one before that in 2013 which was I was lucky enough to be at to see (laughs) us win it but again it was against England and it was a 80-90% Indian contingent and that's something that obviously ECB don't want because it makes them look really shit Uh, and so BCCI which is the Indian board of cricket Mm -hmm pretty much ruled the roost with the ICC. Uh, and we learned a lot more about that in a recent episode of the Patriot Act yes. by Hassan Minaj. Very interesting um, interview with Lalit Modi. Yes, the former uh, founder of the IPL, who has been done on eight charges, I think, of corruption. And He's an interesting fellow. He is. But I guess when you made that much money and created that much craziness... You've got to have a level of genius as well as a level of crazy. He's like, it's mindset. literally no fucks given. No, absolutely not. And he's uh, he's asylum, I guess, taking asylum in in this amazing London plosh pad that he had. Yes. Um, living the good life. But um, it was, yeah, it was a really interesting episode. A lot of the stuff that I guess me being a cricket fan, I pretty much knew about. But it was, you know, Patriot Act is an American show. So it opens up cricket to an audience of people in in the states yeah there's corruption in every sport basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> is what it's, they're trying to tell them absolutely yeah really really interesting episode uh, and it shows the dynamics with the bcci and the icc and exactly who does rule the roost of world cricket and, and it's india and but they're also the ones who bring in the money they are the ones that bring in the money uh, ipl has obviously helped that become a massive m- massive massive money earner and now the World Cup starting, it's no coincidence that the most expensive tickets are for all the India games because yes. India fans are the ones who will predominantly go out and buy tickets. 
but I tried, failed again. So I miss out on this World Cup for the first time ever. But I did manage to go see us play in a, a warm-up match versus New Zealand. Got oh. spanked. Oh, dear. <laughs> Got spanked, uh, you know, quite nicely. But with the World Cup starting in a few weeks' time, it hopefully means that we'll have learned our lesson from this one-off fuck-up and um, buck up our ideas. It's like doing your mocks and then going for the proper exam. And I never used to bother revising for my mocks. Yeah. You just get like D's and E's and then come out with an A after like for my proper exam. So it's fine. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Some of the old mock exams, I used to do them and kind of mess up on them. And then you realize the actual exam is pretty much exactly the same as the mock exam. Exactly. So and so I could have just re- revised everything from that specific mock exam and just applied it again. Yeah. That's why you always do pass A's. papers when you're doing your exams. But then they ever change things up on a year-by-year basis. But the questions, there can only be so many questions of a curriculum. So you know that there'll be something along those lines coming Mm. up. That was always the way that I did it. It worked up until my GCSEs when I got to my A-levels. Massive fuck up. So don't listen to my advice too much, kids. Yes, no, definitely (laughs) do not. Because look where she ended up. Um, What? (laughs) Right. So social media. Huh. What's been happening in the world of social media in the last few weeks, Jojo Well, you know me. These days, I don't really pay that much attention to social media. I'm not on there that much now because I don't have that much time. Mm. But I have been following a particular story that has um, interested me a lot. The the state of Alabama Mm. has decided to ban abortions. Yes. I am very much pro-choice. Yep. You may agree or disagree with me, everybody out there. It's up to you. But I've always been very much pro-choice. I think it's up to the woman to be able to choose. And um, Jamila Jamil, feminist advocate of women. Yes. Battles against skin, like slimming pills and all that kind of stuff. But she has come out against the this decision in, in Alabama and has very bravely shared her own story of having an abortion oh, when wow. she was younger. Um, because she felt she wasn't ready and it just wasn't the right time and she wouldn't have been able to provide a good life for this child. So right. she decided to have an abortion. I Just to say, you know, like it's a woman's choice to be able to do this. And if a woman doesn't feel comfortable or ready to bring a child into the world, then she should have the choice to, you know, have an abortion. Mm. And I just thought it was really brave because I've not really heard any stories of Asian women out there whether they're British Asian or from the subcontinent, no one's ever really come out and said, oh, you know, I've had an abortion. It's not something that you kind of brag about, obviously, but you hear lots of discussions about other issues and things that affect women, but no one really has ever come out and spoken about having an abortion that I'm aware of anyway. Well, we did speak about this on episode 24 of last season's uh, podcast when we spoke about abortions being linked with gender bias yes and how so how there are lots of women unfortunately that do have abortions uh a lot of them are obviously being pressurized into doing so yes by outside factors and families because of the sex of the child sometimes yeah finding out the sex of the child yeah. um and so there's a there's a massive issue a real big inherent problem there um but women having the choice to have an abortion for various number of reasons we don't hear so much within our communities yeah people do have them um but it's something that i guess is is frowned upon and is not discussed and we don't discuss these things at length this is very true yes so there are 
obviously lots of women who do have abortions because they're pregnant with girls mm. and that's and i remember discussing this in that episode number 24 when that the kind of it's a double-sided coin isn't it it's the it's the i'm very pro choice but at the same time i don't feel like the gender of the child should be the the influencer on whether you have an abortion or not mm. but if i'm pro choice it's the choice of the woman to make that yeah you know to have that final decision um but it was really interesting to hear her say actually you know i got pregnant at the wrong time and i just didn't want to have the baby yeah what kind of reaction did she get from people on social media it's very mixed it's very mixed a lot of the women going yay you know pro-choice great and then some obviously especially in america there's the um the pro-life lobby yeah who yeah. are you know god said you know if you have a child you're supposed to have it you know god wants you to have this child it's not your decision to make to get rid of a child it's murder etc etc some people might believe that and they might think that might be their stance but i'm pro-choice yes you are indeed and much respect to jamila jamil for for recounting this story it must have been very very difficult for her um but very brave as well at the same time and talking of Jamila Jamil, she's actually part of this amazing book that we just received the other day. Tell us more about it, Jojo B, because this is awesome. It is amazing. And I really wish that it had been around when I was younger. Um, it is Stories for South Asian Supergirls. Woohoo. It's by Raj Korkera, who's the founder of Pink Ladoo. Big up the Pink Ladoo project. If you don't know about Pink Ladoo, we've also mentioned this in episode number 24, which was about gender bias and abortions. Yes. Um, Pink Ladoo is the movement to give out Ladoos uh, when a girl is born. Traditionally, yes. many Asian households will give out uh, Ladoos or other sweets when a boy is born into the household mm. uh, and not when a girl is. So the, this is a movement to try and encourage you to celebrate girls as well as boys. Yes, indeed. So she's the founder of that and she now has authored this book which is amazing. Yes, indeed. It uh, highlights all of these amazing women through history, all the way from... Uh, the 1200s. Yeah, the 1200s to present day. Yes. Kind of celebrating these individual women who've just made their mark in history. Mm. And they're all of South Asian background. And it's just to kind of encourage our girls and our boys yeah, as well, yeah, just exactly. the younger generation to be proud and to look up to the women out there as well as the male heroes that are traditionally celebrated yeah exactly it's got some amazing amazing illustrations from various different south asian artists in it as well and they're all south asian women artists yes. as well yes, so this are. is a this is an all-round project that's been all about the ladies there's um women like nur jahan awesome jansi kirani uh sophia dalip singh Oh, nice. Okay, they touched yeah, on her as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Suffragettes. Yes. Uh, Shibana Azmi. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Jhumpa Lahiri, who is uh, a, one of my favourite authors of all time. Amazing. Um, M.I.A. Oh, yeah, cool. Jamila Jamila, as we, as we mentioned earlier on. Lily Singh. And it goes all the way up to Neelam Gill, who's the youngest person in it. <laughs> okay, yeah. The model. Yeah, is. of course. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. Mindy Kaling. Hannah Simone, who I love, she's my girl crush. Yeah. Um, there's just loads and loads of amazing women in this book. 
Yeah, it's just it's amazing to see because we would never have seen this through our childhood, let alone any time of the last like 10 to, 10 to 15 years. Um, and it's already been a great year for Asian women, the Asian Women Festival happening already this year. Yeah. And so 2019 seems to be the year of the South Asian lady. Yay. To us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but the book is available now to buy. Um, it's available in all good bookshops and available online. Highly, highly recommend you purchase this. And also... 100% of the proceeds of the sales of the book will be donated to charity supporting women and children. Oh, brilliant. Well, there you go. The Pink Lodu Project have always been awesome at championing the South Asian woman. So they get all the love and support from us on this podcast. Yes, they do. Yeah, big up. Um, and lastly, sad news for me, who's a fan of these people for at least 10 to 15 years now. The foreign beggars are splitting up. No! Uh, last season, we spoke about their album Tutu Karma as part of our short-lived Jojo B Recommends album section. <laughs> Was that a thing? Did we do that? Uh, yeah, we were talking about Native Immigrants Recommends. And uh, that was the very first one that we did. And the last. I have literally no recollection of doing that. Do you not? No. That is awful. Awful, awful. I mean, I, I remember the album and I loved it, but I yeah. don't remember doing it. <laughs> Be yeah, there's a recommendation section. That's how far back it's been. But also oh it means that we haven't really listened to any music or watched any films or been able to have that, a life. That's a lie. I listened to the DJ Khaled album the other day. Me and Bubs were dancing along to it the other day. Do you recommend it? Yes. It's so, really fun. So this week on the Native Immigrants <laughs> Recommends, DJ Khaled's Father of Assad album. And what, what things does it encompass with the British Asian community, Jojo B? None at all other than Bubs loves it. <laughs> <laughs> you really liked it oh dear he bopped along there was one song that made him cry though I can't remember which one it was I think it was one with Drake so he's got his mummy's taste in music basically oh okay not so much a fan of Drake I didn't even know Drake he was in, even on there is he on there I mean I might have just made that up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I know that he cried at a song I really he like he cried uh, at a song I can't remember that, which there's one an emotional one with Nipsey rest in peace Nipsey Hustle and uh, Jordan Legend uh, so oh no, I like that one. Yeah, but that was, that was quite an emotional. Quite you know, an emotional I think Bubs liked that one as well. But there's another one that he cried at. Right. Okay. Yeah, he he mostly has your taste in music than more than mine. Big up. Well, there you go. I tried to play him some neo soul. He was born to neo soul. We had a track. <gasps> we should put the track list out. What track list? My my labor track track list. Oh yeah, on the native had, immigrant sound yeah, uh, Spotify like a, page. I had like a birthing playlist. We should put that out. Yeah, so people can see what what kind of shit that we were listening to during the moments. As I was pushing. <laughs> so that's the image that you should get into your heads, people, as you're listening to some D'Angelo. I'm going to probably soul. kill the boning music for some people. <laughs> yeah, it's no longer no longer boning music now. It's uh, pushing music. Pushing music, yeah. yeah. Breathing, breathing 10 times and push music. <laughs> Um, but yeah, going back to very, very sad news about foreign beggars, next level digression here. Um, you know, but big up Pals, no, big up Metropolis. No, it's not because we used to play that album to him when he was in yes, my tummy. Yes, we did. Yes, while we did. When he was in my womb, that was the album we played to him. A hundred percent. Yeah, this is actually... Because I was obsessed with Standard, the remix of Standard. Yeah, with Rag and Bone Man. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, that's it's coming to the end of their chapter. Um, I think they've got a few more gigs up until the end of this year. 
before they part uh, and do some solo projects. And is it like other... a permanent goodbye or is it like just for now and then we'll come back together? I'm, I'm hoping it's not a permanent goodbye. They've they've put it across on all their social media platforms that this is it for them. It's not acrimonious, is it? It's just like they've decided to do their own thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think they're all, all on great terms. Um, it's just that they've been doing this for so many years, uh, really so many projects in that time and not had the time to do the, the individual bits. So, you know, now is the time to pursue ventures anew. It's a shame. But at least they've got out on a high. That they album is amazing. On a massive high. Hopefully we still get some more m- music and material from them this year. And we've obviously spoken to Orifice Volgatron. Uh, he said about, he was going to come on our show. Yes. So hopefully now that he's uh, away from Beggar's Duty, he might actually have the time to come onto it. Yeah, because he's just constantly touring otherwise. Yeah. Come to our flat. Yeah, talk to us. Let's get the inside scoop of what actually went down. We'll feed you as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got we've got like formula milk, which is the only thing we've got. <laughs> like cupboards and cupboards of it. If you're into, I'll like figure out how to. There must be recipes online to make cakes and biscuits and stuff. <laughs> like. Formula milk, <laughs> fuck me. We won't really give you that. No, I promise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but that's the end of this half uh, of the Native Immigrants podcast. When we come back on the other side, we're going to be talking about television and specifically something that's so massively British Asian. Game of Thrones. <laughs> There's a tenuous link. There is a tenuous link. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> See you on the other side, people. Back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And I am dead fam. <laughs> He's barely Man's got his eyes open. falling up. asleep still. <laughs> Bruv, you had a whole night's sleep. <sighs> I was the one who woke up at half five because Bob's, and through the night as well actually, but half five when Bob's decided that he was going to be awake now. Yeah, I can't do it. Okay, this is the last time we're recording it like this. We can't do this. We have to record it during the daytime. Where I'm fully awake. I mean, and I think engaged. that we should just have Bubs here with us. He can just be cooing in the background. You might hear his <coughs> every now and again as well. Have you seen the, the levels of language? Actually, I can't even talk about levels of language. We swear so much in he front of him. He doesn't know what the fuck we're saying. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but people are just going to judge us anyway and say how shit we are at parenting and how bad we are and how they should take our child away from us because we swear a bit in front of him and it's really late. Do you want to say to them? What? Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck shit bollocks to you and your lives. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So in this half of the show, we're going to be talking about television and things that have been happening on TV. We will eventually get back to talking about the gritty stuff that affects our communities over the course of this season. We will. We promise. <laughs> but the last few weeks has been us between parenting is trying to catch stuff that's on TV. And now the biggest thing that's happened in that time has been the end of a show that we've been watching like religiously now over the course of the last five or six years. Yeah, we blitzed seasons one to five in approximately three days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, continuous day and night. Uh, and this and 
and every year thereafter just anxiously waiting for the show to come back on and then watching it on a week by week basis with our jaws dropped to the floor. Yep. As has many other people in the British Asian community. Yes. This, this is how we're going to use this yeah. this way to link this show to this podcast. Uh, because last week is when this show ended and it's all everyone I know was speaking about. And essentially, Game of Thrones is just a massive oh, yeah. Indian drama. Well, thanks. I haven't even told people what the show is. You just dropped it in there, <laughs> you fucking twat. Um, building up, building up, building up. Not content with saying, so I just gave birth and shit the other day I and swear. everything was fine. And now I'm just like, oh yeah, so the other day, day Game of Thrones, I don't that brandy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck's sake. I swear you said it. Built, you did. I was like, it was a chill. You said it, didn't you? No, I didn't. I'm building it up, you bastard. So. Let's <laughs> not record. Let's <laughs> not record it nine times again. No. Game of Thrones ended last week. <laughs> and we watched it. Do you want to discuss it, Jojavi? <laughs> right, so yeah, Game of Thrones uh, finally ended this past week uh, from season eight, <laughs> six episodes in. And um, it was uh, the end of a, a long, long journey. <laughs> uh, long... I'm back. Are you okay? Take uh, one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> and dead. breathe. I never want one, to hear that again. Two, three, this is my four, labor breathing. Five. I never want to hear it ever again. <laughs> it's kind of, it feels like you're in more pain now than you were at that point, to be fair. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> gather yourself yes right um, okay fine i'm back i'm back are you sure <laughs> yeah all right um so game of thrones is the show we're talking about yes it's been over a week now it's been a long time and so there will be a lot of spoiler alerts over the course of this half of the show if you haven't seen it already what have you been doing yeah and there will be a lot of people that haven't watched this show and they will ha and they will take a delight in telling you that they haven't seen this show. Oh fuck off! <laughs> you know, like it's it's almost like you know, like you heard about the vegan parade where it's just I'm vegan and I'm fucking gonna tell the whole world that I'm vegan and frown upon you for not being a vegan. Oh okay, yes. You know, I'm a vegetarian. I'm happy to be a vegetarian, but you know, there are those people that are just overly pretentious about it. And I don't watch it. I don't watch it. Yeah, and no. I've never watched an episode. Screw you. Yeah. You we know. do watch it and it's fucking amazing. Yes, it is. And it's come to an end. It's come to a, a massive climactic finish. Or was it? Or was it anticlimactic? Yes. Uh, so if, if, if anyone who hasn't watched Game of Thrones and you still want to continue listening to this half of the show and, and, and not willing to watch it or have no interest in watching it going forward... Uh, I don't even know how you can basically sum up this story. Basically, it's Westeros, this fantasy kingdom, uh, and there's a throne. Yes. And a lot of different people uh, want to be on this throne. And that is the Game of Thrones. Yes, and people play the Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. 
isn't panning with my face across <laughs> left and right um to do what they can to get onto this throne and there's a various families or houses uh that reside in different parts of this kingdom and all of which all of whom have a member of some members that potentially have a claim to it and then it's just a case of who gets on it you know at the end of this long massive saga <clears throat> yeah <laughs> I don't know what, at which that? point I should start talking about what happened and how I felt about it. So I'm not. Gonna, I don't want to drop any clangers again. So yeah. Okay. So right. <laughs> no. No. I'll just let you lead on this bit. Twenty is enough on this episode. Um. So it. So. I guess the end of this episode, season eight, episode six, had a lot of a, a mixed reaction from people, as did I guess the whole of season eight. Uh huh. What were your initial thoughts, Jojo B? Well, going into it, obviously all the hype of, oh my God, it's going to be feature-length episodes and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to know what happened and it's all going to be worthwhile. Yeah, so I guess a season seven and eight uh, were, at the start of season seven, we were pretty much told that this was going to be the end season or so. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they basically split seasons, uh, season seven into two seasons. So season seven and eight is essentially like, what, 13 episodes. Oh, okay. Is that what they did? I think, yeah, they they split it basically over the course of two seasons rather than finish it all in that one season. Right, right. Um, So David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, 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 uh, the two writers um, basically extended the process to make it, to make it into two seasons to, you know, to just to spread the story over, um, keep the money running in yeah <laughs> but i think the criticism from a lot of people was that it was still too rushed it was and i feel like that's the case with most sagas that they just don't know how to end things it's very difficult to just end like, i don't know ever... i think i think they need, i think it's it's easier to know how to end it it's the bigger problem of how to get to there and sometimes to get to there when you've got a lot of different shit going on you just cram in everything as much as you possibly can in that time and then just you know have the ending as it is. Yeah, I guess. I was going to say, like, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, mm. it ends at a point, right? Yeah. If you've read the book, you know that that's not where it ends. Mm. And it's just this, like, bit at the end where you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake, why, why is there more? Why, yeah. why, why? <laughs> and that's kind of, it was like, Tolkien didn't know how to, they just didn't know when to stop. Hmm. Whereas with this, I think it was it was kind of similar. Like they just didn't know when to stop, so they just kind of carried on. But they what they did was like just muddle the story a bit and try and tie up some bits, but other bits were left untied, and it all just seemed a little bit of a faff. Yeah, I kind of yeah, no, I I kind of disagree with that slightly. I kind of yeah, I kind of feel that that they had in mind where the story was going to conclude, and there was a definitive ending of who was going to end up on the throne. That's, there was no kind of... Do you think knew that from the start? Not from the start, no. I think it got to a certain point because obviously George R. R. Martin, uh, the writer of The Song of Fire and Ice, uh, which is what the show is based on, his book, uh, books, um, I think he'd already summarised where he wanted it to end. And then he spoke to David and DB and I think they'd come to an agreement of where it was going to end. Uh, I think from season six, the show actually deviated away from the books because 
there were actually no more books written. So they had an idea of both on where it would eventually end, but I don't think he quite was in agreement on how they would eventually get there. Yeah. And actually, I think that explains why those first six seasons, it's quite brutal. Mm. And the writing is just a little bit tighter. Yeah. And and it's and more importantly, it's paced really well. Yes. And the character and the narratives for so many people, the arc is is awesome because it's it's played out at a at a nice steady pace. So yeah. you get a chance to be really emotionally invested in so many characters. Yeah. And and so when a character does get killed off, you know, even if it's only a couple of seasons in you know it it's it's a lot more shocking and a lot more uh, yeah it was felt. really it was really brutal and could, because he is a lot more ruthless as a writer i think that like he just kind of yeah. was like you know i'm gonna punch you in the face with this kind of stuff because this is the kind of thing that if this was a real world would probably happen yeah yeah you know and and so not everybody ends up with like a nice happy ending which i think was quite nice yeah in those seasons whereas i think afterwards it all got a bit hollywood yeah it, i think it became once it became the darling of the mainstream and you know there's no point being around a bush is pretty much the biggest tv show Ever. in the world well yeah yeah it's arguably the greatest tv show of all time it's so epic like the this all of the last series was so cinematically shot Hmm. And so, <laughs> like, there was some kind of pretentiousness around some of that cinematography. Yes. Um, but it was mostly very beautifully shot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can't take it that way. Probably, and CGI probably CGI was insane. Hmm. But probably the best we've ever seen on a TV show. Yeah. You know. Um. But was it the right ending? I. It's the end. I didn't expect that ending. Mm-hmm. But isn't that kind of the part of the charm of game of thrones and that it gives you the unexpected yes and but i think there was a collective from everybody who watched it hmm. as a collective what the fuck yeah because so are we going to give away the ending are we going to say i think this is all about happening? spoilers if, if anyone hasn't seen it by now then they really aren't true fans of the show because you couldn't have given it like over a week before watching the conclusion okay of so, this epic show so can i say who what happens? We did say it, that this is going to be full of spoilers, so okay. I'll allow you that. Okay, I'm just checking before I actually say it, because otherwise you'll tell me off. All right, right now there's going to be more and more spoilers, so f feel free to forward the show, listen back to an old one, get a cup of tea, have a mud, anything you want to do. Uh, well, don't do that. Um, so Bran ends up on the throne. Yes. And... Bran the Broken. Bran the Broken, who has this worlds. ability to see into the past and into the future, I think. Yeah, he's well, he's the... Third Eye Raven. Yeah. Whatever. Three Eyed <laughs> Raven. Third Eye Raven. <laughs> Three Eyed <laughs> Raven. Whatever. I fucking hated him all the way through this whole show. Yeah. And he's ended up now on the throne, mm. which means that he played the game of thrones he played the game of thrones like an absolute g he's like no no i don't want it i don't want it i don't want it please no and that but he knew what the fuck was gonna happen exactly he knew all along that he played everybody so who who is the true evil genius in the show who is the true evil of the show you know you, you we've seen joffrey we've seen ramsey you know cersei elements of crazy but is bran the true evil 
Well, quite possibly because they all wear their evil on their sleeve, you see. Yeah. They are out and out like, we're your baddies. And he just sat there like, I'm so vulnerable, please. But actually, there was no vulnerability. No. He was just a psycho. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I think less... Full-on sociopath. But yeah, I was about to say, very sociopathic, but also an incredible ungrateful shite. Uh, and he because, got half his family killed and his like sister raped and all sorts of stuff. He just let it all happen. Yeah. And the fact that he got to where he was, like allowing Hodor to die, who was one of my favorite characters, um, and Mira, he just said to her, yeah, cheers for like sacrificing your brother and helping me through all that shit. You can go along your merry ways now. I was like, you little shite. Yep. Yeah. Not a fan of Bran, but then maybe that's all part of the reason why we love it because... He is that, like, that's, there's so many flaws in his character. Oh, are we actually meant to feel something better for him and that we, me and you have just taken a, like, distinct dislike to him? Well, I've spoken to people and they're like, you know what, I love Bran's character. I think he's a great character in the show. Is and he? Is he? What has he done? He's been like a non-entity character all the way through, just sitting in the background, being irritating every now and again, and then just disappearing for shows on end. Yeah, but then I guess that's the key to, to playing the game of thrones stay outside let all the people kill each other in the midst of it and then just you know wheel yourself into position <laughs> you know um, uh, i was kind of half hoping that Tyrion would end up on the on the throne yes okay so where what what were we expecting um uh, i mean it? i think the obvious choice was that Jon snow was going to end up on there too obvious it's for too me. obvious and actually i really liked his ending yeah yeah i love that he just went and didn't have the burden of being the saviour of the world on his shoulders anymore. He just went off to be free in the wild, in the north, where mm. he was happy and had met the love of his life. The yeah. real love of his life, not fucking Daenerys. And like, and was happy and he, was, he got to return there. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's where his heart is and will always be, that part of the north. Yeah, because the north is the best. Remember that. That's subjective. Um, but whatever he um i think if he kind of had i was a little bit like a little bit it was a bit of a bittersweet ending i felt for john but then i look back on it now and i actually feel it was a sweet ending i think it's just a sweet well, not ending. really sweet he can't he's he has to remain celibate he no, can he never marry again not, do you, i think you've missed the whole po like point of the end so bran sent him to the wall the wall doesn't have to protect anything anymore and so now he's just in the true north free with the wildlings well, that's it's vague that's no vague. it's not vague it was blatantly there well he might he might be a man of his word he oh might my be god a man i think i've explained this to you like three times already mm. well either way <laughs> you know his his he's the true <laughs> rightful heir to the throne and only a handful of people will know that but i kind of feel that he didn't want it though he didn't want it but still that's that's his that's his claim to fame <laughs> claim yes. to the throne well yeah and I think, you know what it was? I feel like it was more so the viewers could feel that level of empathy towards him rather than anything else that's going on in the show. Because obviously he's the rightful heir to the throne. But was that just a, a, like a, a side plot to get you to feel that much more empathy towards that character, knowing that he where he should be and what justice should be, everyone but he doesn't loved, really get it? Everyone loved Jon Snow. 
Everyone, yeah. he, he, they didn't need him to be the rightful heir to the throne for everybody to love him. They, everybody loved him anyway. Yeah, true. Because he was like, he's a wicked character. Yeah. Can I just take this moment to say, get well soon, Kit, Kit Harrington? Absolutely. He's checked himself into rehab with um, kind of stress and alcohol problems. Yeah. And it's all because of the ending of the show. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I don't know if it's because he doesn't know what he's going to do next or if it's just because there's so much pressure on him and his character and there's just like fan boys and fan girls everywhere just, you know, bothering him all the time. Whatever it is, I hope he gets well soon. Yeah, I think, he, you know, he's he's he said before that he's not one to play into the limelight and be in the spotlight. Right now, he's one of the most famous TV actors in the world and it could be quite overbearing. And for a show as big as this to finally come to the end must be a massive like emotional release. Yeah. And so it, you know it will be it will take a long time for for most of the actors in that show to to get back to some kind of normality if there ever will be. Yeah. Well, know? let's hope there's not any more of that with any of the other. Yeah, actors absolutely. In the, touch in the wood. Show. Touch wood. But yeah, John John would have been the potential obvious choice. I really felt that they did. Daenerys character really dirty yes they did you know there's been a lot of things that people can look into the show and and say what they did wrong and didn't do wrong I I think but there seems to be an overriding consensus that Daenerys's character was yeah a real disservice to what she's been to the show and the way her character arc has moved over the course of the previous seven seasons and then this rush job to turn her into the Mad Queen very quickly. I think they'd started it in the last season. It was it, there were the inklings of her becoming the Mad Queen were there. She was starting to do stuff, and you're like, really? Mm. Was she done that? Um, and then it just just ramped up to next level in this series. I'm not sure why they had to make her so terrible, but I guess it's because she's a Targaryen and she had Targaryen blood, and they're all crazy. Yeah, Maybe. no, I, I've got I've got no qualms it's with that. Inbreeding. Yeah, stay away from inbreeding, kids. Yeah, because you might end up the same. But it's it's more the fact that you know she was this this righteous, good-hearted, good-natured fighter for the people. You know, a queen for the people for so long. Yes, there was there was a small elements of her introducing the Targaryenness into her character, but I feel like they could have. I w- like I said, I wish they'd extended this to another potential season or to 10 episodes and let her just play this out at a, at a reasonable pace. I guess maybe it was to show what... So while she was across the sea, she was kind of still quite far away from the idea of the throne. She was just trying to gather her people, her army together. That was her main goal. Then she got across the sea and then there she is. It's not that far away. And I guess it's that kind of like lust for power that kind mm. of overtook her. It's a bit like, you know, the ring from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. The throne was that. So yeah. what it does to people when you can kind of it have it. You, yeah. yeah. So either when you have it or when it's in your in, in your grasp. Yeah. Then you 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 want it so much that it can turn you into something, into the worst version of yourself. Yeah, and you're willing to do whatever it takes yeah. to to claim it. But I did think they took it a bit too far with the whole kind of just burning the whole of King's Landing yeah, down. Yeah, innocent children and everything, basically everything that she stood for, for seven whole seasons, it just evaporated in the space of not even an episode, an episode and a half. Yeah. you know, And it was almost, again because of uh, of being a woman scorned and a, and a man 
messing her over and all of a sudden she switches, which I thought was and a little bit... you know why? Because it was written by men. And I think that's been the problem. And it's been talked about quite quite a lot with this series, that with this season, that um, the female characters have been written by men. And so it's how men think women would react to the situations that they've been in. Hmm. Okay, fair point. It's fair not point. necessarily how a woman would react or the things that have been said so Sansa says that you know I, I wouldn't have become the woman I am if I hadn't have had all these bad things happen to me yeah or whatever and it's not that it's like she had to be you know raped and abused for her to be a strong woman mm, yeah and yeah. I think that was a sentiment that a lot of women especially people who've been in those positions themselves in real life kind of thought well, what the fuck like i didn't need that to, to happen to me to be a strong woman yeah yeah of but course. what they should have said maybe is that despite all of that happening to me i am still strong and i'm still standing here yeah you know yeah. that you're because she was a survivor of stuff i think yeah i think it should have played a more in the fact that she was a survivor and she'd gone through a lot of turmoil but men so, wouldn't necessarily understand that Mm, yeah you know unless you're a man who's been abused or you know had something terrible like that happen to them you wouldn't necessarily think that way so i think it, it lacked a woman's touch in some places yeah fair point well you know it, in comparison to so many tv shows it's been one of the great shows for championing women you know women have especially specifically this season even it's they've played such a massive role in defining Game of Thrones, you know, all the way from someone like obviously Cersei, who's the most powerful woman in the whole of Westeros for so long. Yeah, Daenerys obviously has been this amazing character that's been a, a righteous character to champion not only women but also equality and diversity. Yeah, um, and even people like, like I said, you've had badasses like Arya Stark, you've had badasses like Lyanna Mormont. You know, they've really they've they've done a lot in terms of really pushing. Um, strong women across all ages Brienne of Tarth obviously as well yeah I'm not saying that there's not been great characters but what it hasn't been it hasn't been reflected within the staff that worked on Game of Thrones mm. so the writing staff there's been no women across the eight seasons or very few women across those seasons that have worked on the staff writing team mm. and so I think it's a it's a shame that 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 the female characters haven't had that that female touch to say and i'm not saying that you know you have to be of that gender to write about that gender because that's not true but i think that some some of this, this just needed to kind of refine some of it at least run it by a woman <laughs> you know what yeah, i mean yeah. or you know i don't know how much of the actresses could have a say in what was given to them in terms of the script yeah if they could say oh you know i don't think that would they would say that or they wouldn't do it quite like that maybe they did maybe they didn't but it just felt like it didn't really do some of the women justice in yeah. the in the end. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you there because, you know, the direction it seemed to be headed in, uh, in the lead up to this particular season, you know, there was a strong onus on women playing a massive role. Well, women did end up playing a massive role in the throne in the fact that it was two women going at it with with dragons and fire and she burnt the whole city down to, to accommodate it. So they were very influential. Um, yeah. But like I said, um, you know, the, some of the the way you know the the characters eventually ended up, you kind of think, well, they could, they've done a little bit of a disservice to those specific characters. But you know, like I said, people like Arya Stark and her journey through it has been one of the highlights of the show for me. Her growth without 
having gone through the, the same problems, say, as Sansa has had. Mm-hmm. You know, she's grown as a character because of her experiences. Yeah. And at the end of it, she was pretty much the MVP. And she got it on with Gendry. <laughs> she did get it on with Gendry. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it, it tied up a lot of those like romantic loose ends as well with some certain characters. You know, you were, will they or won't they? Kind of the, thing. It was a very strange moment. Yeah. But I yeah. guess it's true. It, you do the things the, ni- the night before you think you're going to die. Just go for it. You just go and do whatever you think you need to do. Get it okay. out of your system. Absolutely. And she got it out of her system good and proper. Yeah. I've, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Gendry because, you know, I was looking at all the potential. You know, you go through, you know, all the potential options by the time it gets to the final bit. Yeah, I half hoped he might get on the throne as well. This is what I'm saying, yeah. you know, because like I think the thing that I was I was expecting, well, I wasn't expecting but I, I was hoping for the unexpected. I think that was the key thing for me when it came to the final episode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would have been easy to put John on the throne. It would have been easy to put Daenerys on the throne. But I guess that would have just been the formulaic ending, which I think when, I, when I'm speaking to a lot of people, they were said, oh, John should have got it, oh, Daenerys should have got it. But I thought the beauty of Game of Thrones, like we said, is it's giving us the unexpected. Yeah. And that's why we love the show. Yeah. You know, characters that we love have been killed off earlier on. And the fact that Bran ended up taking it, I guess I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay with it because I'm not sure if, if I would have been overly happy with any of the alternative options. I think maybe that's the point. Nobody really cares about Bran, whereas everybody cared about at least one or two of the other characters. Yeah. So if you've got feeling about the other characters and you've got no feeling for Bran, it's kind of like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. I've, I've got no, I've got no arguments against him being on it. Um, but I would have, I would have liked someone like someone like a Gendry who has a potential claim to the throne, and so if it wasn't someone like John, it could have potentially been someone like Gendry. I felt. Yeah. But it has come to an end. I'm Joe gonna Jimby. miss it. I'm gonna miss it. I think we should watch it again from the start. From the very very first episode, yeah. all the way through. We did kind of start it a little bit, which we need to get back to. But it's it's crazy how you see those characters in the first few seasons and how they basically ended up. Yeah, you know. that Red Wedding episode is still brilliant. Still yeah. stands up. Awesome television. I think um, episode three of this season, the battle against the White Walkers, is probably the greatest single piece of television I think I've ever seen. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Probably not, no. To compare. Yes, it was a bit dark. Obviously, people go on and on about the fact that it was really dark. And maybe the Battle of the Bastards was a better battle scene as an overall combat. But I felt like this one, to the White Walker battle, I felt like that was really quite realistic of... Like, not that I've ever been in war or battle. Against the dead. But I have seen Saving Private Ryan. And it felt very much like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Do you no. not think? Like, you know, just like the intensity of it just doesn't stop. It's just like, like wave think, after feel, wave of stuff. I think Battle of the Bastards was that to me. Do you reckon? 100%. I think I that, that was the best battle of the entire Game of Thrones series from one to the end. I need to see it again. But I think the the that specific episode, there was so much going on in terms of the overall stories with so many different characters. Yes. You know, so from like Arya running through her library and stuff in Winterfell, like you know, to avoid the dead. It was so tense. Yeah. You had like, you know, Theon protecting Bran, 
you know, in, in that little corner. Very you tragic. Had, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was so much going on amongst all these different characters. You know, the mm. fire, you know, with um, Melisandre using the god of light to do all that shit. Lord of light. Lord of light, even. Yeah. Um, so it just, it, the overall episode was probably the best thing I've, I think I've ever seen as a single episode. But I think that's where it kind of peaked. It kind of went downhill in the, in the ensuing three episodes for me. Um, yeah, because I don't think anyone really expected it to kind of end the way it did. Yeah. And then yeah. it was just like, right, okay, on to the next. Yeah, it that's just, the thing. It, it felt just... like that should have been the end yeah, I of can't, Game of I Thrones, really maybe? feel that the big, I think, but that was almost a red herring in a way, where yeah. they, they built up the fact that the White Walker battle was going to be the massive war. And the Night King was the big enemy. Yeah. And no, the Game of Thrones is what mattered in the end. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, the way I look at it is... Um, it was a few this season hasn't been the best season the writing hasn't been amazing and it has gone extremely rapidly paced a bit too quick for my liking um but will it be enough to ruin an entire eight seasons of a show that i've absolutely loved i don't absolutely not no and i think if we watch it all from start to finish now actually the pacing might not feel too quick yeah. and it might actually make more sense. Mm, yeah, yeah, potentially. I think it's one of the shows where if you watch it through and, and binge the whole lot, yeah, uh, it might not then seem so bad. Yeah. Um, I think it's the, the two-year wait between episodes. And if you're going to wait two years for a show, at least avoid the Starbucks coffee <laughs> on the table and the, and the water bottles <laughs> on the side of the chairs. I mean, come the fuck on. The continuity people and I mean, it, it goes through so many different layers of people. Yeah, right? of course. So there's the person behind the camera. Yeah. There's the director. The editors. Yeah. There's like all that post-production. All the extras. No one noticed. Yeah, exactly. Do you mean like someone should have said, hold up a minute. There's a cop there. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it was it was pretty, pretty, so pretty poor. Maybe in that sense, maybe it does show that it was rushed. Yeah, this is the thing, you know, but it's it's like I said, it's it's been a, a season that's uh, divided opinion uh, across everyone. There's been a million people signing signatures to get it reshot. Um, but I kind of feel, you know what? Get a great people. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's come to an end. And I guess the reasoning for so much disappointment is almost in a sense of the craving for more as well. People don't want to let it go. And that's understandable because yeah. it's very good. Yeah. And plus they've, they've been so emotionally attached to this program more than any other program that I've seen, you know, over the course of my adult life, even, Yeah, you know, it's, it's been, it's been so heavily followed all over the world. It's made superstars of all the actors and, um, I don't, it'd be very, very hard to top this show. Yes. But they are going to try because uh, the next thing is the prequels to this, which is apparently going to tentatively called Blood Moon. Um, and it's going to be about the history of how the, the White Walkers first originated and also the history of the Starks. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that will be next on the horizon. But, you know, like I said, this is a British Asian show. Yeah. And we're talking about Game of Thrones. You're know, like, why the fuck are these two dudes talking about Game of Thrones when this is about the British Asian community? Well, because we are British Asian, part of the British Asian community. Yes. And also many of the British Asian community have watched it. <laughs> yes, they Surely have. that's enough. It is, but also to help matters even further, there were a number of British Asians on this show. So we're going to big up actors like Indra Verma, 
you know, Amrita Acharya, who yeah. played uh, one of the handmaidens of Daenerys in the yeah. first few seasons. Man like Ramon Tikarum. Ramon Tikarum and Indra Verma are both from This Life yes, as well. they are. This Life Massive. Big up the This Life crew. <laughs> but there was, uh, yeah, a number of uh, British Asian actors on this show. And also, I don't know if she's British, but she's definitely Asian. Mm -hmm. There was somebody on the writing staff. Okay. I don't know how much of it she actually wrote, though. Right. Given what I said earlier on about... The lack of female <laughs> yeah. uh, writers. But she's called Gursimran Sandhu. Big up. And she was one of the writing staff. So, yay! Big up. Look at that. Asian representation. Lady. Who said there's no representation for us on the other side of the pond? There's a plenty. There's uh, one. There's one, yeah. <laughs> We're not really sure how much writing she actually did. But quote. you know what? Her name was in the credits and that's enough. It, but honestly, it took us back to the days when you see an Indian face on TV. <laughs> and you just like go nuts. Um, but yeah, the end of Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, like let us know what you think, people. You know, I've, our opinion may or may not count. What did you think of Game of Thrones? You know, how would you have seen it end? And what would you have done differently? Or are you absolutely amazed and happy with how it turned out? Okay, we give an honorable mention also to the animals. So to Ghost. Yes, big up. Big up the direwolves. Yes. Uh, made it to the end. Yeah, Got exactly. The happy ending he deserved. Yeah, he got the hug from John, which people were like, why did that happen earlier on? It was like, where's the love? Where's the, where's the direwolf love? And is it Drogon who was the last remaining? Yeah, probably the most dragon? tragic character of the entire show. In the fact that he lost his mom and all his siblings and literally got no one else in the whole he world. Burnt that throne down. He's like, fuck this throne. Yeah. It destroyed my family. And so he burnt it down. Yeah, exactly. So... For him, he'll now roam the streets of Westeros looking for a female to mate. He's in California, just along with all of the um, dinosaurs that were released during Jurassic Park. Yeah, yes. So yes. <laughs> he's just with them, making <laughs> in friends. In society. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're all good, like prehistoric animals end up California. <laughs> um, right, so what else has been on TV, Jojo V? Um but on a slightly more serious note, yes, the BBC have been uh, marking Mental Health Awareness Week, which was um, from the 13th to the 19th of May, awesome. with a whole series of documentaries. And I watched a few of them and was blown away by how very, very frank they were, very open and honest they all were. Um, the first one was uh, Na Nadia, Anxiety and Me. Oh, okay. I think yeah. that kicked off the season altogether. Sure. Um, it was a really kind of like very, very frank, very, very insightful look into her life mm. and how she copes with anxiety. And from the outside, she has, you know, had this amazing career. Yeah. You know, she she won Bake Off. And from then, her you know, her star has been rising. Yes, just catapulted. Yeah, completely. But on like behind closed doors, she's obviously had lots of problems and she's been dealing with this anxiety. And I guess now that she has fame and fortune there as well, it probably adds to it because yeah. she's in the um, in the public eye quite a lot. Mm. Uh, it was it was brilliant the way that it was done. So she kind of explained what had happened, how her, how she lives her life, and then when she and it shows her going into therapy and discovering that actually what happened to her in her younger days when she was bullied at school, yeah, that has then resulted in this anxiety that she still carries Absolutely, with her now. Yeah. It was really, really good. Very insightful. Um secondly, I watched David Harewood, Psychosis and Me. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Which, again, was a very kind of uh, frank and really just eye-opening look into the actor David Harewood's uh, psychotic episode that he had in his 20s. Yeah. And then he went and uh, following this, he's had a, obviously a very great career after that. But he was going back and talking to the people who were there at the time, the friends that, and it still obviously really affected them that his friends were still, you know, kind of tearing up and his mom was really upset about um, when they going back to it because they'd never really revisited it and never really spoken about, about it. it yeah. yeah. And and then he went and talked to some young people who, who are dealing with psychosis. Again, it's just really interesting to see an Asian woman and then a black man talking about mental health problems because within our communities, it's not stuff that no is... No one's speaking about it. Yeah, yeah. and absolutely. so it was just really a really lovely thing for the BBC to do was to show them. And um, there was another episode uh, with Alistair Campbell in Depression, which I missed, but that was also apparently very, very good and very kind of um, just dealing with the, the darkness that comes with depression and how, you, how he manages to cope with that. Um, day to day yeah another one that i i watched which i guess really hit home for me and was really upsetting quite hard watch for me at times um was louis through mothers on the edge oh yeah of course yeah you're telling me about this show yes so it's all about mothers dealing with it's about new mums dealing with all the pressures that come with having a baby and some that end up with postnatal depression or with psychosis or ver various other different mental health problems that can come after you've had a baby yeah so i've spoken about how the high premises that i, suf that I suffered with through the pregnancy really kind of affected me um i had a not so easy birth mm -hmm. as well yeah and and that kind of really affected my my mental health i guess i wouldn't say i would never say that i had depression or anything like that yeah. but i was very very low yeah because i was in a lot of pain so i felt very very low it was all very unexpected and i was already coming into it with quite a low level of energy anyway from yeah. being so sick and nauseous all the way through um so watching that having come out the other end of it and kind of feeling much much happier now and uh, very very tired still obviously but like still coping much better than i was yeah but watching that and seeing actually if i hadn't have had the support network that i had around me so you and the family and all our friends kind of checking in on us and stuff making sure that we were okay if i hadn't have had that i that could have been the way that i ended up yeah absolutely. and these ladies yeah. were they were hospitalized and they were you know under supervision and you know they were having to they, they take the babies in with them and they were looking after their babies but some had no connection to their babies and they're just finding it really hard to connect um others just were completely confused about what had happened because they were so affected mentally that they just had lost touch with reality wow and it it was crazy because it, it see how it affects them and how it affects the babies and how it affects their partners was just really heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, but also I realized that you don't really see that on TV. I've never seen anything about that on TV before. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like uh, overall with mental health, it's it's only really, like I said, in the last like few years that they've been really tackling it and addressing the issues properly yeah. head on. Yeah. Whereas for a long time, it, it's always been something that's been you know, shrouded in the background, you know, without really being addressed properly, yeah. you know, on, on factually on television. And so it it's great that, you know, with Mental Health Awareness Week, it, we've been able to see these kind of programs because now more and more people who've potentially been suffering from similar problems are able to 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 tackle it head on and actually, um, you know, ac accept that it's an actual issue and are are doing things about it to alleviate anything 
worse happening later on. Exactly, exactly. It was, if you can go back and check those programs out, they're all on iPlayer. Um, but I, I would highly recommend them all. They were very, very interesting programs. Obviously, could be quite triggering for some people. So, yeah. you know, watch with care if you're one of those people. But I, if you're interested to see how things can affect you but how you can also come out the other end yeah. and things do get better you know the mothers that were on that louis theroux program some of them made such miraculous recoveries yeah. because they had such great support through the nhs all the way through all of these programs the nhs proves that it is worth every single penny that we pay in national insurance contributions of course. and every bit that we pay in tax it does wonders. Mm. It helps people that in a ways that in other parts of the world, you never get that kind of support. Absolutely. Not without 100%. paying top dollar for it anyway. Um, it's Yeah, it's it's it was really, really good. It was really well done. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you can check back on those shows that should all be available now on iPlayer. And uh, Game of Thrones is available on Sky On Demand if you've got Sky. Yeah. And if not, um, invest. Or miss out. Oh, miss out, indeed. <laughs> right, well, that's the end of this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. It's very entertainment-focused. Yeah, it is very much entertainment-focused. But our next episode, we're going to be tackling something that is a lot more personal to us. Yeah. That is our bubs. Yeah, and becoming parents. Becoming parents. The journey it's been for the last few months since uh basically since uh we finished off our shows last season yeah and exactly what took place and how we went about it the problems that occurred and how we came out the other side yeah warts and all warts and all <laughs> so you can listen in on that episode which will be out in two weeks time but till then i'm swami barakas aka the barracuda and i'm jojo b aka jojo underscore b and we'll see you all again next time, people. Peace. See ya.